0: Oh my goodness, that is so wonderful. I praise the Lord. For the glory of the worship that we have experienced this morning, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. I'm so thankful that we get to share the word of the Lord this morning. Would you open your Bibles with me to Mark? Let's go to Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 16. And hopefully you've got a Bible right there with you. Keep it open during the sermon. Let's go to Mark chapter 16. This sermon series for this Easter season... We titled Seven Words of Life, and I want to take you through the seven words that we've looked at. We First of all, we looked at, who do you say that I am? When Jesus spoke those words to his disciples, who do you say that I am? He was helping them to understand the way to life. Jesus would then say to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Who do you say that I am? second Sunday, Pastor Randy Whittle preached us through, not my will, but yours be done. And in that sermon, we're understanding the way to live life. The first sermon, the way to life. The second sermon, not my will, but yours be done, the way to live life. Lord, I don't want to live with me as the boss of my life anymore, but not my will but yours be done, the way to live life. On the third Sunday, we looked at seven words from the cross, which helps us to understand the essentials of life, forgiveness, salvation, that Jesus opens up a whole new way to family to to understanding relationships through him we understand that the son of man experienced the very bottom level of human existence on our behalf he was suffered he suffered in every way he was tempted in every way yet without sin and that savior became sin for us he experienced the very deepest level of human existence especially In the area of physical suffering and spiritual suffering alienated from his father. We understand from those seven words that the greatest thing you will ever do is make sure that you are ready to meet God because our soul is the most important thing about us. The finishing, the finished work of atonement has been done. And now would you give your life to Christ? This morning we close out this Easter series with the words, he has risen, he is not here. And today we understand that is life's greatest truth. And so go with me, Mark chapter 16. We're going to start reading in verse 1. And again, keep your Bibles open during the sermon as we will refer to the word of God. Mark 16, verse 1. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Siloam, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. There's those seven words. He has risen. He is not here See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, bless your holy name. Lord, the only reason that we're even reading those words right now is because Jesus has risen from the dead. Lord, the only reason that we're gathering right now in homes and in this worship center is because Jesus has risen from the dead. And so, Lord, I pray that today that truth would penetrate someone's heart. Lord, I pray for someone this morning who is still living life, trying to live life apart from the resurrection. And so, Lord, may the truth of the gospel penetrate someone's heart this morning. I'll pray that someone today would understand that he or she is a sinner, and that sin has separated us from God, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and raised from the dead. And so, Lord, may this be the day of salvation. I pray today someone would begin a journey of following Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's look at those seven words. I simply want us to take that one sentence and work our way through it. He has risen. He is not here. The first thing I notice is that two of the seven words are the personal pronoun he. He has risen. He is not here. And so let's make sure that we understand who he is. Is. And so if you back up to the very previous sentence at verse 5, it says you are seeking Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. And so it makes clear that's who the he has risen. He is not here. It's referring to Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified and I want you to know every single part of that is important. First of all, his name, Jesus. In the Hebrew, it is the name Yeshua. In the English, we, we make it Joshua. But in the Hebrew, Yeshua. It comes from Yah, which is a shortened form of Yahweh. It's a combination of Yah. And the Hebrew verb yasha, which means to deliver, to rescue, to save. And so when you hear the name Yeshua, yasha, ya, it means God our Savior. God delivers. God saves. God rescues. That's what that name means. And so Yeshua, the Greek form is Iesus, And then Iesus in the English becomes Jesus. And so whenever we think of he has risen, we're talking about Jesus, God our Savior. And I want us to think a little bit more about that name Jesus because in the Hebrew, again, it's Yeshua or Joshua, which means that it was a common name. It was a common name before Jesus was born. We know that we see it throughout the Old Testament, but also in first century Judea, the time that when Jesus was living, that was a common name, which helps us to understand some things that the name that God gave his son was a name that was similar to many other names. It helps us to understand that Jesus in his humanity is representing us that God came to us taking on the form of man. It was a common name. As a matter of fact, we have several Joshuas in our own church family. We even have a Jesus on our church staff. It was a name that was known, and yet whenever we hear the name Jesus, we also understand that that is the name that is above every name because this Jesus is the true Yeshua, God our Savior. He is the true one who lived up to and lived out the full meaning of that name, God saves. His name is Jesus, that's who is risen. But listen, it got specific, and that's because, again, there were many Yeshua's, many Joshua's during that time. And so it was Jesus of Nazareth. And boy, when we add that of Nazareth, that really narrows it down to which Yeshua we're talking about. We're talking about the Jesus, the Yeshua, who came from a backwater area. As a matter of fact, it was kind of a very lowly thought of area. Not many people thought very highly of Nazareth at all. It did not have a good reputation, which helps us to understand the humility of our God. When we hear the name Jesus, we understand the humanity. When we hear of Nazareth, we understand that this is our God who humbled himself. This is our God who did not make Jerusalem the seat of where Jesus' ministry would be. He didn't make it Rome. He didn't make it any of the major areas, but instead, this is Jesus of Nazareth. As a matter of fact, the demons knew that this was Jesus of Nazareth. In Mark chapter 1, they said, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? The disciples understood this is Jesus of Nazareth whenever Philip said to Nathanael, We have found the one of whom Moses and the prophets spoke about, Jesus of Nazareth. Whenever blind Bartimaeus in Luke chapter 18 was sitting by the side of the road and he heard a great crowd coming in a great commotion and he asked what the commotion was all about, they said, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And at the triumphal entry, Whenever Jesus was making his way into Jerusalem on the back of a foal and all the children are praising his name and they're laying the palm branches and many of the people were asking, who is this? They answered, this is Jesus of Nazareth. And then at the crucifixion, when Pilate would place the charge of this criminal of who the world thought was a criminal, when they placed a sign above the name of Jesus, here's what it read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And we understand the humility of our God, Jesus of Nazareth. We understand that he would be despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we esteemed him not. Which means what Matthew wrote in Matthew chapter 2, that this Jesus would be raised up in Nazareth. He would be called a Nazarene. Why? Because that was in fulfillment of what the prophets had spoken. You see, the prophets had talked about that the Messiah would be lowly. Despised and rejected. And so when we hear the name Jesus, we understand God our Savior. When we hear of Nazareth, we understand the humility of our God and that also this name, Jesus of Nazareth, is a fulfillment of prophecy. But wait a minute, because it gets even more specific than that. This is not just Jesus. This is not just Jesus. Of Nazareth, in case there was more than one Yeshua of Nazareth. This is Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. And folks, we, boy, please, we have to get out of our modern mindset. So many times when we think about the cross, as a matter of fact, in many of our church family homes that I've gotten to be in over the years, In many of our homes, we have a cross that is up. And that cross in our modern minds is a symbol of Christianity. It's a symbol of our religion. It's a symbol of our faith. It's a symbol of that which is good. It's a symbol of blessing. But folks, we have to understand that when these words were written, they said, this is Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. A crucifixion, the type of death that Cicero said the most horrifying death. Tacitus, the historian, said it called it a despicable death. No Roman citizen would ever be bound or beaten, much less killed or killed by crucifixion. That was unthinkable. But this is Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. And whenever we think about the cross in that way, we have to understand that it was not a symbol of religion, but instead it was a symbol of cursing. We have to understand it was not a symbol of what is right, what is moral, what is good, but instead it was a symbol of lawlessness, And we have to understand that that was not a symbol of respect. But instead it was a symbol of unspeakable shame. You see, when we hear he has risen, he is not here. We have to understand that this is Jesus. God, our Savior, who came to be with us. Who became like us, Jesus of Nazareth. We have to understand that this is the humility, the one who humbled himself even unto death on the cross. We have to understand this is the one who was fulfillment of prophecy, but we also have to understand that this is the one who was placed on a cross who became a curse for us. We have to understand this is the one Who took our lawlessness, who took all of our sin, and who endured unspeakable, unseeable suffering and shame. Which helps me to understand this is the only one who could save me. It has to be God, our Savior. Our God who humbled himself and in fulfillment of prophecy was despised and rejected. And then who became a curse on my behalf. Who took my sin and my shame. This is Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here As we keep moving through that sentence, I want us to hear the word risen. He has risen throughout the Gospels. I want us to understand that that is a word that is used there that only refers to whenever they're speaking of the final resurrection. Or when they're speaking of Jesus' resurrection. It is a Greek word, anastasis. Anastasis, Anna meaning again, stasis coming from the Greek verb root meaning to stand. What that word there, he has risen, mean he stands again. And boy, the reason that we need to hear that is because this is different. What has happened to Jesus is different than has happened ever before or ever again to this one God man. Please listen. Whenever Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead, anastasis is not the word that was used. It was the Greek word egairo, egairo. Whenever the widow from Nain, her son who was being carried out of the city, dead. Whenever Jesus raised him from the dead, it was the verb egairo, which means to get up. As a matter of fact, it's the exact same verb that is used in Mark chapter 2, whenever the men, the four men, lowered the paralytic through the roof before Jesus, and Jesus said to him, I say to you, Egyro, get up. That is the word that was used then. It is the word used for Jairus' daughter. It is used for the widow from Nain, her son, Egyro, which what that means is these people, Jesus brought them back to life. They were dead. He brought them back to life, but they would die again. That is not the word that we are using here when it says he has risen he stands again. This, this winter, uh, starting in 2020, we did a sermon series on the, on the word stand. And we looked at Ephesians chapter six when Paul would write, stand therefore, stand on the, in the full armor of God. And please know that if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you stand in Christ, someday you will stand again. That is the word that is used here. He has risen. Friends, I'll say it again. It's a whole new level of existence. This is not brought back to life only to die again. He has risen. Jesus is alive and will always be alive. He is the eternal Savior. And so it changes everything. Friends, listen, if when they had gone to the grave, when they had gone to the tomb, if Jesus was still dead, we would not even have heard of him to this day. The women would have gone and anointed a dead body, and that would have been it. The disciples who were huddled in a room, they would have viewed it as we had a good three-year run, and it ended in tragedy, and we would never hear from it again. But because he has risen, everything changes. That means because Jesus has risen, it means we are not talking about a figure in a history book that we study about, but instead we are talking about the living God. It, because Jesus has risen, it is no longer a matter of knowing about Jesus. It is now a matter of knowing Jesus. William Barclay, the theologian, said the greatest scholar, listen to this, the greatest scholar in the world who knows everything about Jesus is less than the humblest Christian who knows Jesus. Because he is risen, it's not about knowing about Jesus. It is knowing Jesus. It means we get to spend the rest of our life knowing him and being known by him. Because he is risen, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it means that there will be the resurrection of the dead in Christ. Those who have fallen asleep in the Lord, there will be the resurrection of the dead. Why? Because he has risen it changes everything It means that the preaching that I'm doing right now, it means that whenever you share Christ with someone, it means every Sunday school lesson that's taught, every vacation Bible school lesson that is shared, every time we teach the name of Jesus, it means it's not in vain. Every time you give a cup of water in Jesus' name, every time you minister to someone in Jesus' name, it's not in vain. 1 Corinthians 15 says, and our faith is not in vain. That's what this means. Everything has changed. And as our three-year-old granddaughter Afton said to us yesterday on FaceTime, she said, it's the most happiest story in the whole world. Friends, it is. It's the most happiest story in the world. Everything has changed, he has risen, and then we end with this: he is not here and when the messenger the angel said that to the three women, he is not here, where was here? well, here was a tomb he 's not here he 's not in the tomb he 's not among the dead. As a matter of fact, the way Luke records the angel saying that is that the angels ask them a question, why do you seek for the living among the dead? He's not here. And so friends, we don't go to the tomb anymore because he's not here. We don't look for Jesus among the dead because he's not here. That means the, that the assignment that Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, what they had come to do, they don't need to do. They don't need to come and anoint a dead body. That means that their assignment has changed. And what has their assignment changed to? Look at it again. See the place where they laid him, but go tell. Go Tell. And friends, I want you to know that that going and telling begins with faith. The angel said to to the three women, see the place where they laid him. Well, friends, what did they see whenever they looked at that spot? There was nothing there. There was no one there with the eyes of faith. They had to believe he has risen. And it is based upon that faith then that we go and we tell Friends, I want you to know the announcement has not changed. He has risen. He is not here. Our assignment has not changed. See, look with the eyes of faith, then go and tell. And then I want you to know the anticipation of someday getting to be in person with Jesus is the same anticipation that they had. You remember the angel said to, to the women, Go and tell the disciples and Peter. And boy, that may have been the two of the most beautiful words that Peter ever heard. Friend, I want you to know, I don't know what you've done in your life. You don't know what I've done in my life. We don't know, I don't know what all extent of sin. But I want you to know that when the angel said, go tell the disciples and Peter. You can put your name right there because Peter, at this point, I'm sure was thinking, I'm too far gone. I denied three times that I even knew him. Jesus doesn't want me anymore. But go tell the disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee and there you will see him. He will meet you there. Just as he told you. Friends, I want you to know because Jesus has risen. Instead of Galilee, you could put heaven in there. He is going before us. He has said to us, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again so that where I am, where I am there, you may be also. Friends, in Christ, we're going to get to be with him. And so I ask you again that very first question. Then who do you say that Jesus is. Friends, either the resurrection is false, that it was a complete lie, or it could be that the resurrection is just fiction, that it wasn't that anyone really lied, it's just that Over the years we've exaggerated, we've embellished the story, and and it's become a thing of legend now, and and it's just it's just fiction. Or it's fact. It's either false, it's either fiction, or it's a fact. He has risen he's not here he's not in the tomb but Jesus can live in your heart today friends if he has risen he is God and he is God our Savior and he has taken your sin on the cross would you please believe Please believe. Put your faith in Jesus and him alone that he's the only one who can save you. And believe that he has raised from the dead. Lord, today, today, right now, I give my life to you. Lord, I understand that I've sinned against the holy God. The God who gave me life and I understand I deserve to die. I believe Jesus died for me. And so Lord, I give my life to you. Come into my heart and save me. And the Lord forgive me of all my sins. I believe you raised from the dead Lord this day I will follow you Lord I want to spend the rest of my life following you I turn from my old life Jesus thank you for saving me friend you can pray that right now our heavenly father I am so thankful that today we're talking about life. Lord, the emphasis on this morning is not that Jesus has died, but that death has died. Death has died. It no longer has a sting. It no longer has a victory. And so, Lord, what that means is that the end of life is no longer the end of life but instead, Lord, we don't live with death in view, but we live with resurrection in view because of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that right now someone is praying, calling out to you. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, I pray that someone right now praying, Lord, I know i am sinned. I know I've sinned. I'm a sinner. And I understand I deserve to die. I believe Jesus died for me. And so, Lord, I turn from my old life. I don't want to be the boss of my life anymore. But, Lord, I give my life to you. Come into my heart and save me. Forgive me of all my sins. And, Lord, I will follow you. Thank you, Lord for salvation that is in Jesus Christ, our risen Savior. And it's in the holy and precious living name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen.